Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, and I owe you some ups and downs. It's been a little while uh, since we've done this, had some actual news to talk about, and actually even inside of these ups and downs, we've got some news to talk about. So I'm going to go through basically what's been going on for the last week since the last time we did ups and downs, even including yesterday's game back at Coors Field a little bit. Just try to get you up to speed, get myself up to speed, everything that's been going on out there actually on the field. Though, of course, we do have to start with the big down, which is the injury to Armand Marquez. And I I put this conversation off for as long as I could. I thought maybe this would be an entire extra or additional podcast, perhaps I should say. And and it probably will be once we have some concrete information, which sounds like it's still going to be you know, a day or two, uh, a little while we're waiting back for results. We know Marquez is going to miss at least, you know, four to six weeks here. But we talked to him yesterday. I was down there. This is part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with him and talk to the people around the team and Bob Black and everybody and see where this situation is because this is the most pressing issue on the team because it's not just an immediate problem of, oh no, they've already got a bad rotation and it's going to get worse if, uh, you know, this guy had been going pretty well and who's long been their rock alongside Kyle Freeland in the rotation is, is gone. But there are far more like, far-reaching consequences, potentially, of Marquez missing a lot of time. Because at the end of this season, there's a team option on his contract, meaning that the Colorado Rockies can decide to bring him back next year for a decent chunk of change. But an amount of money he's been worth for most of his career, but that he wasn't last year. And th- that was the big thing, right? We were going to see if, if he was going to prove to be worth it. And not only would he get that contract, but maybe a big extension that would keep him here for the vast majority of his career into his 30s and let him essentially, with relative ease, take over all these Rockies records. He's just two or three. I have to double check. When it happened, I went and, and checked it. Uh, strikeouts shy of Jorge De La Rosa for the all-time Colorado Rockies record. I actually have a, I may have jinxed him a little bit. I have uh, some stuff prepared to, to come out once he takes over, just kind of putting in context how good Armand Marquez has been and how quickly he's done at, at, at a young age, right? And like I said, if he can get his health right, and if he can get back to not even the most dominant version of himself that he's been, but being, you know, even the way he looked at the beginning of this season where you had one really good game, one okay game where he lost to the Dodgers. He gave up three home runs. Obviously, any game where you give up three home runs, you don't feel like you're pitching particularly well. But from pitch to pitch, Marquez looked much better this year than he did a season ago. And so it's just really, really disheartening to see this for a hundred different reasons, right? Whether it's you just wanted this year's team to be a bit more competitive and they obviously have a better chance to win with him on the mound than they have with a lot of these other guys. Though I do have some good news on that front to talk about on this show a little bit. 
in the long term, it's even more devastating because it robs you of opportunities to know what he can or or maybe can't be. If he was going to really struggle this year, not from health, but just from ability or mechanics or whatever was, you know, there's a long list of reasons why he didn't succeed last year. And if it was going to be like that again, it would have maybe made sense for both parties, for Marquez to go and, and maybe re-find himself somewhere else and for the Rockies to say, yeah, we're not going to invest our future specifically around you. And if it went the other way, fair enough. I think they would bring him back. And so, you know, you just don't know now. It just adds so much more confusion, ambiguity around this big decision you've got to make over the future of your organization. And so for that reason, as well as, of course, just the human being reasons of, you know, I've been covering this team essentially since Marquez arrived, right? Our big league time runs basically adjacent. We, we, we've been around the big league ball club at the same time. And I've known when he was young and didn't have like the full on confidence or whatever, but he was always confident. He was always capable. And being there yesterday and seeing him just searching for an answer and, and, you know, he's always been so durable. He's always been so rock steady and there just hasn't, there's no easy answer to this for why it happened, what to do about it, you know, and until he gets the definitive, yes, you need this surgery or you don't need this surgery. He's just kind of out there in limbo and and so are all of us i guess right so i'll leave it at that for now because we're gonna have to return to this once we have concrete information all people who enjoy good baseball and good pitching should be rooting for the best possible outcome for herman marquez and obviously anyone associated with colorado rockies uh, needs to hope that this guy gets himself right because he's been one of the better and more underrated, frankly, pitchers in baseball for the last several years, even if he never, you know, becomes that kind of Cy Young candidate that a lot of us, myself included, believed he could become. He's been incredible throughout his career to already be on the doorstep of being a franchise's, I know it's this franchise, but still of being a franchise's all-time strikeout leader, right? With any kind of reasonable season this year, he was going to become the first guy ever in a Colorado Rockies uniform to get a thousand strikeouts. And so even from that standpoint of like the timing of it, if he can't come back this year, that he's just going to be sitting there a handful of strikeouts away from the record. You know, he's also moving up, of course, all the leaderboards in terms of innings pitched games. If he just pitches the next couple of years, he's going to own every Rockies pitching record. If he can get himself right and remain on the team. And if it stops just short right here, that's absolutely devastating, like in so many different ways. So I guess try not to think too hard on that. I had to start with that being the biggest down and the biggest piece of news because really everything else that's going on with this team right now, you know, I sent out a tweet and it was essentially this, you know, how many games they win this year doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Lose 110, lose 90. There's really not a massive difference in my mind between those things. Even in terms of the draft pick you're going to get and how much that may or may not impact your organization, right? People will spend a lot of time and energy on that. 
you know, how much the Rockies are losing or how how poorly, how badly the Rockies are losing, right? Another ugly one last night, 9-1, to one, right? These 14-3 to three games. So there's that. Then there's the roster mismanagement stuff, something I've written about a lot already, whether it's Nolan Jones, Michael Tolia, now Alaris Montero, right? There's some counterexamples. It's been nice to see Doyle. I'm going to talk about him in a second. But those things are overcomable. Those, those, those things are of the moment. They're bad right now, but in two months, it really might not matter. In fact, it might even be better for the future of the team that Montero, Tolia, and Jones are all in the minors right now. As long as they're helping the team win ball games in 24, then cool, right? But this, this Herman Marquez question is the more question, if you will. Um, it is absolutely central to everything going on with this team for the next couple of years. And so you've got to hope for the best possible news. Let's talk about some good things since that was pretty rough. Let's talk about up number one. Actually, let's do up one and two together uh, because this will make us all feel a little bit uh, less doomsday about uh, the, the pitching rotation. How about number one, Noah Davis and number two, Ryan Feltner. Now, Noah Davis is a, a really interesting one here, right? He's only had a couple of starts. He's only given up one run, issued some walks in that, that first outing in Seattle. But I, I think I talked about after that that I thought those were as close to good walks as you can get, right? There were times where he was being careful in certain situations where it made sense to be. He wasn't issuing a lot of leadoff walks, though that did get him in trouble in the fifth. Anyway. Not to overly analyze each individual start, then he goes back out there in Philadelphia, throws four, uh, 4.2 strong innings, really should have been five. Uh, his defense did not help him out there. There was an unearned run behind him. He was able to minimize, though not totally stop that inning. You know, it was one of those things where if the ideal scenario is that the pitcher totally overcomes the bad defense behind him and doesn't allow anybody to score, and then the nightmare scenario is, right, that it snowballs and three or four or five runs score and it gets totally out of hand, he, he hit right in the middle there, right? He allowed one to come in but stopped it at that and ended up with a five-strikeout game without any walks. So that was a big thing for Davis there. The sinker continues to impress me. It's a good pitch, you know, and I... Watched him at times throughout the minors, and I'll admit I, I did not hone in specifically on Noah Davis because certain statistics and scouting reports and analysts didn't necessarily suggest that I, I needed to. But the more I look at his sinker in particular, I think the other pitches stand to be about league average, maybe even a little bit below. Uh, we'll see how they develop, uh, and that'll also depend a lot on his command and control of, of the strike zone. But the sinker's a really good pitch, and it's got really good arm side movement, really good downward movement, uh, not overwhelming velocity. It's, you know, 91, 92 miles an hour, but when he's throwing that thing to the right-handed hitter and it's starting in the lefty batter's box and just kind of clipping the bottom of the zone with downward movement, it's a really tough pitch uh, for guys to drive and do anything with. And, you know, we'll see if now he's obviously very young there's not much of a book on the guy if because of the lack of overwhelming stuff of it as it were you know guys start just taking that pitch the other way know that he's not going to beat you with a ton of velocity up and in so they can just start you know trying to string together a bunch of hits against him but I really love the way he avoids the middle of the strike zone 
and you know doesn't seem prone yet and obviously it's just a couple of outings here but to to giving up the big blast right it it to leaving that ball in the middle of the plate and and there boom goes the dynamite it happens to everybody but he seems less inclined to do it so you couldn't have asked for a whole lot more out of a guy who came up entirely out of necessity in a situation where the Rockies were already running with three starters at the bottom of their rotation who were struggling. Uh, obviously, Jose Arena has since been designated for assignment. Uh, I think that is to the relief of everyone. He just, it was just bad, man. I don't, you know, I don't, I take no joy in reporting that Jose Urania was from pitch to pitch, maybe the worst starting pitcher in baseball to start the season he, he could have figured it out he, he could have ironed it out but you, you know again I'll, I'll use that phrase i've used before non-competitive pitches it's one thing when you're kind of close to the strike zone and you're walking guys or you leave a handful of pitches in the middle of the zone like i was just talking about with davis that you know get hit hard it's gonna happen but just the rate at which he was throwing extraordinarily poor quality pitches was off the charts so it's too bad that didn't work out. Uh, there was a part of me that roots for all these guys on some level to break out and find themselves and be a feel-good story, but it uh, didn't work out for Jose Irania. The good news there is that Noah Davis steps right in, and without much fanfare, without much prospect pedigree, without a whole lot coming in. I mean, it was like a top 20 Rockies prospect, but not a top 10, probably not even a top 15 guy. Probably sitting in that next range from 15 to 20, depending on what list you're looking at, but sort of comes in and gets the job done and then goes back out and gets the job done again. And against Seattle and Philadelphia, a couple of pretty good offenses there. He hasn't pitched at home yet, and I hope I'm not jinxing him right now. But, you know, you've obviously got to see how he deals with the being at Coors Factor and then going to and from Coors Factor. But so far, I just like the mentality and pitchability of Ryan Feltner. And, uh, I'm sorry, of Noah Davis. I'm jumping ahead of myself because Ryan Feltner has also been much better. And this is intriguing and fascinating and something that I hope I will look back at and be like, look how wrong you were about Feltner. Um, because I, I keep saying that I think he's going to end up in the bullpen and I think he's got great bullpen stuff, but he can't get through the third time in the order, but he did in, on the road trip. He did it in Cleveland. He did it in Philadelphia. He pitched 5.2 innings against Philadelphia, six strikeouts. Don't love the three walks, but again, I thought two of those were fine. Uh, understandable is maybe the right word, uh, rather than you know him nibbling too much or, or being scared or anything like that. Only gives up three hits and no earned runs. No earned runs in either of these games out on the road. Six innings in Cleveland, an unearned run. The defense has got to clean it up. Uh, the six strikeouts, no walks. That right there, six innings, six strikeouts, no walks. He gives up a run, but it was unearned. It five hits, you know, maybe see take that hit number down just a little bit, but he's not walking anybody. So the other game, he gives up three hits, but he walks three. So yeah, you've actually given up six base runners, but three of them were, you know, free passes. So I'd almost prefer the five hits. Uh, though, of course, that does give the opportunity for your defense to make mistakes behind you and guys are putting the ball in play like that. But this is a Ryan Feltner that could become... This word has gotten me in trouble before, apparently. So, so people might think this is hardcore positive analysis, but 
I, I fear it's almost too much of a nothing burger, but he could become a thing, right? I, I say that sometimes. Right right now, for, for the first several starts of the season, Ryan Feltner looked very much like a minor league pitcher trying to hang in the major leagues. In fact, I'll even say for last season, Ryan Feltner looked very much like a minor league pitcher trying to hang and or prove himself in the major leagues. Now, I, I don't think, I've asked Bud Black about this before, and it's not, things don't just click like that. We, sometimes when this happens, you go, oh my gosh, the guy's clicked in and he's locked in and something, he turned the corner, something happened here. And who knows, his next outing might be right backwards. It, it might just be a fluke of the schedule or that he happened to have his good stuff those days. You don't know. And this is why you got to play a bunch of games while we'll continue to have the conversations. But... I mean, it was a world of difference, wasn't it? If you watch these games, and I understand if you're not, but if you're watching these games, you saw a Ryan Feltner on this most recent road trip that looked much more in control. Again, back to that conversation about quality of pitch from pitch to pitch. Yeah, he was giving up some hits, but even those were on pretty good pitches and they weren't scorched, right? So you just got to kind of tip your cap because you can't go out there and expect to be perfect. But you can go out there and expect to limit damage, not have ball games get away from you, not be giving up five runs in the first two or three innings, right, to go out there and compete a little bit. And that's what we saw Ryan Feltner do on the road trip and really, really well. And again, something that you've got to be, if you're a Rockies fan rooting for the future of the team, which I keep trying to remind everyone or focus the conversation on because that's what it's really about, this is good news, and you have to hope that it continues because they're going to need some of these types of guys, the Noah Davises and the Ryan Feltners, especially for however long they're not going to have Herman Marquez, to step up and show what they can do in the future because this rotation is going to need to be reworked. The, the, the question is just how much. And if some of these guys can show up and prove that they might be solid four or five starter, you know, number four in the rotation, number five in the rotation type of starters, uh, then you got to go out and get yourself a number three or a number two or, you know, whatever it is. And so we'll see how it all plays out. But for right now, it's been nice to see Davis and Feltner lock in a little bit and have those last couple of spots in the rotation not be just absolute disaster right and Austin Gomber was better in his most recent outing as well so I'll throw him in there as a part of these ups not quite the the dramatic sort of breath of fresh air that it's been to watch the last four outings combined for Davis and Feltner but still oddly enough some good news on the starting pitching front which is desperately needed right now with the Marquez stuff going on um okay so Marquez I guess I did both uh, downs. <laughs> I did two downs with Marquez because it, it really is. There's the down of the injury, but then there's the down of the long-term consequences for the organization, which I already got into. So I guess one thing I can add to that conversation is that there was the hint that because with off days, the Rockies have a minute before they have to actually get a fifth guy into the rotation. It's possible Antonio Sensatella could make his return. And the Oddly enough, the rotation might end up okay if you've got Freeland. Sensatella obviously will have to see how he does coming off the injury, but then if Davis and Feltner can keep it up a little bit, and then you really only have Gomber remaining as the wild card who you know might give you just an absolutely terrible game, but then he's given you some decent ones as well. And I've talked before about how you know he still has enough 
lack of experience. He's, he's still young enough in terms of experience that there's plenty of room for him to grow as well. So from where they were, you know, a week and a half ago where Feltner, Urania, and Gomber felt like automatic losses, oddly enough, even after losing Marquez, if Sensatella can return, uh, you know, Freeland, I know they ended up losing the ball game because of, you know, mo- I, I mean, they couldn't score and also the bullpen was terrible, but Kyle Freeland, I think, look, you know, obviously he had that one terrible outing where the offense or <laughs> the defense was so bad behind him. Uh, but then also he, he kind of imploded a little bit and gave up some hard hit balls in that game. So it was nice to see him bounce back and be like, yeah, that was the outlier so far. And the rest of his outings, Freeland has been very good, uh, even if they didn't end up winning the ball game last night. So who knows? We'll, we'll see, right? But oddly enough, uh, the rotation might be okay for uh, the next little while here. Let me finish on the last down, and then I will get into the final big up here. And I don't have much to say on this. There isn't really a lot to add. It's just that the offense continues to not be good. Uh, Elias Diaz is hitting. Chris Bryant is hitting at the very least for average. Not a ton of power, but some. And beyond that, it's just a big jumble. You'll get a little bit here and there. Uh, I've talked in depth about Ezekiel Tovar before, and that continues to be an intriguing one. You know, I thought we saw some good at-bats on that road trip. There's one particularly in Philadelphia with two outs, a couple of runners on. He went up and got a pitch up out of the strike zone and just a nice, easy line drive, single to left field, drive in a run. That was one of his better at-bats of the season. Still too many first pitch swinging at pitches out of the zone and making no contact. That's, you know... He's an aggressive hitter to begin with, and that's certainly a young player thing to do. And as I've said before, the leash ought to be an extremely long one when it comes to Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, I believe that was true of Montero as well, but didn't end up playing out that way. Uh, But it has been pretty rough just to watch the offense not be able to come up with something. You know, when C.J. Crone goes cold, which he, he does... Uh, you know, he's, he can be a pretty hot and cold hitter. And when he goes cold, that basically leaves Bryant and Elias Diaz right now as the only guys in the offense uh, in the lineup who are hitting. And you just, that can make a lot of these games tough to watch, really, right? That's on top of everything else when it's just, there's really no momentum to the offense. No hope that, ah, eh, well, you know, they might be losing, but someone's going to run into one. Ryan McMahon's been hitting some home runs. You know, that's been nice to see the power numbers for McMahon, but his contact rate and the strikeout rate remain the thing that keeps him, you know, right at or just below a league average hitter. So until that consistency goes up, you just have to enjoy the home runs with him right now. But ultimately, it's just been frustrating to see the offense still stagnant against scoring one run back at home last night, which is just, yeah. But let's finish on the final big up, and that is, of course, Brenton Doyle. Uh, another, I hate to reuse the phrase I was using for Noah Davis, but how about a breath of fresh air from this guy? Uh, in a multitude of ways, from the fact that the Rockies are bringing up a prospect who they're putting into the everyday lineup and giving opportunities to play and start and just get the chance, right? As opposed to some of these other guys that... Uh, I know certain fans, and I feel like have been, I don't know if faffed around is an official phrase. I don't know if that has an official definition, but I think we all know what it means, right? That it's been kind of faffed around a little bit. And 
I don't know that Noah, uh, Noah, that Brenton Doyle is here, you know, to stay. It could still end up being the case that when these other guys get healthy, in fact, I suspect, you know, he will be sent back down to the minors unless he catches absolute fire. He's really only had the one game where offensively he's done anything right. He got three hits in that ball game and stole two bases. But even from that, you see like the excitement. And I don't just mean excitement like, oh, it's fun to watch, though that's nice too, right? Like I said, sometimes it's just if you're sitting there watching these games, you, you want to have something to be excited about. When Brenton Doyle comes up right now, his ability to make things happen, that if he does get on first base, he might be stealing second and or third, that he's got that ability, made a tremendous catch in center field, Coors Field last night. I do think that's going to be his biggest asset to the team immediately is his center field defense, which is really, really good. I'm excited about that in particular at Coors Field, and we saw it in game one. Uh, he, it's been a minute since the Rockies have had a center fielder that I think makes that play. Uh, going to his left, you know, the right center field gap, uh, laying out, making the catch. Happens to be Kyle Freeland's favorite kind of play, which he told me on our five questions that we do over at MileHighSports.com. So that was pretty, pretty fun. Other than that, you know, like I said, we haven't seen a ton out of him yet, but it's just the kind of idea of Doyle, the full package, right? That at any given moment, he brings an element that the Rockies haven't had before, whether it's the best defensive center fielder that they can reasonably put out there right now, a base runner who really can take advantage of these new rules and the kind of more, when I say modern game, I mean modern as of a couple of months ago, uh, you know, and really take his base running ability and turn that into an advantage for the club where the Rockies really just don't have the personnel to do that otherwise. And I do think that he's going to hit. Like with all guys, there's a question of how will it be enough? You know, is he going to be one of these guys who just ends up hitting 220, 230, and is a doubles guy, so the power never comes around that he can be a league average hitter and ends up becoming sort of a fourth outfielder, quadruple A type of player, or can he become the next version of a, a Charlie Blackman who was never a top prospect, really, was never considered a, a top five guy, a top 10, so it was certainly never a top 100 in all of baseball type of prospect, you know, but who took all the tools that he had. And I said this recently about Brenton Doyle, and I think you could have said the same thing about Charlie Blackman when he came up through the minor leagues, which is that there are no elite tools here. There's no elite power. There's no elite speed. Maybe the defense. We'll see about that. But the arm, not elite. The contact rate, not elite. The way he takes in at bat, his ability to draw walk none of those things are elite but almost all of them are good right we'll see how many of them maybe can turn into great but if you can maximize that skill set a wide range of abilities that can help you win baseball games then you have the potential here in Doyle to really get, like I said with Blackman, a guy who could become a huge part of your franchise, even if maybe he's only got a couple of years in his career where he's playing at close to an all-star level and the rest of the time he's just, you know, a really, really good role player. Like, there's there's that level in between the superstar players that you build your team around and role players who can be largely interchangeable. And that's where I think Brenton Doyle is going to end up. 
as one of those. Brad Hop would be another interesting example for some of, some of you older heads out there, right? If you remember, like these guys who are really, in, and if your team is good, you need those players. So if two or three years from now, you know, the Rockies really have turned this thing around and with Zach Veen in right field and Michael Tolia at first or whoever else, you know, maybe in left to figure out what you got around with these guys. Tovar and Montero coming together a little bit. You're building around that. And, and Brenton Doyle's not expected to provide all the power because those guys are hitting for a ton of pop, but he's playing tremendous center field defense, giving you good contact at bats, running the bases like a madman and all the other things that, I really think he could be a fan favorite, an exciting player, and one who can really help this team win some ball games. Who will, you know, become seen as part of that uh, next generation, whatever we're going to call them. I-, I watched something recently that reminded me about the titles Generation R and Todd and the Toddlers. Right? Not the best names, in my opinion, but. There's something sort of similar happening right now as Charlie Blackman plays out the final years of his career and there are some uh, just sort of core of young players. I just said all of their names a moment ago, Veen. I'm not doing it again. (laughs) And on down. And I think Doyle could end up being a a big part of that. It's going to be pretty cool to see that. So right now, he's easily among the most exciting things. He's probably the most exciting position player to watch is when he comes up feel like I tune in a little tighter right now, a little extra, right? When the ball is hit in his direction, that eyes are a little wider. That play last night was something that in a 9-1 ball game, you can go, okay, but they might have a thing with this kid. And when they figure out some of this other stuff, they're going to like they've got him. And that's pretty cool. So congratulations to Brenton Doyle. Off to a very nice start to his major league career, though I'm sure he wishes he was hitting a little bit more. I think that's got to come around. And, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a trip back to the minors still this year uh, or two. uh, Some back and forth. But I think they've got a, a really interesting young player here. So good news on that front. Still uh, some some tough stuff with the Herman Marquez stuff. So like I said, everybody out there, uh, just keep your fingers and your toes and your eyes crossed. Probably not for too long on that last one, but uh, keep, keep it up. Just keep being absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will keep being absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.